Hi, Smart Community friends, and welcome to a new month. This month, we will be celebrating the theme of Movember, which is all about moving. So moving from one place to another, moving from the old ways of doing things into the new. So I'm really excited for this, and we've got some great episodes coming your way. So in this first episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a really great chat with Scott Shepard, the Chief Commercial Officer with mobility aggregator and service provider free to move. Scott tells us about his background in urban planning and data analytics and how that led to his focus on transportation and new mobility in cities. We discuss why empowering citizens and improving community quality of life is really the whole point of this smart communities movement and the real need for regional inclusiveness when it comes to tech, mobility and planning. Scott and I discuss new ways technology can pose a risk for increasing the divide and disadvantage within our communities, and also the importance of looking past the hype in order to see those deeper problems and real implications that new tech can have on the most vulnerable people in our communities. Scott then tells us about free to move, and having lived in both places, he shares with us his perspective on the similarities and differences between the way the US and Europe is embracing smart mobility concepts, and the different ways that the markets are maturing. We finish our chat discussing the emerging trend of customer scrutiny and awareness around data, choices, and inclusivity. So I really hope you enjoy Movember, and as always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities, the Hello, Scott. How are you today? Hi, Zoe. Good morning. How are you? Or good, good evening for you. Yes. I am really good and I'm really excited to be talking to you. So let's jump in and can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Sure. So I'm Scott Shepard, Chief Commercial Officer with Free to Move, uh, mobility aggregator and service provider. And my background is in urban planning, data analytics, mapping, and basically everything to do with cities. Uh, so I've had kind of a multifaceted or multi-dimension career, uh, taking many different twists and turns. Started with uh, being a geographer, uh, mapper, cartographer. Then uh, through uh, many different positions, worked my way up into the field of urban and city planning. This is in the United States, uh, primarily in California. And as I've moved along, I've really kind of focused my career specifically into transportation and now in uh, new mobility as well as emerging technologies. And uh, kind of over the course of the last 20 years, it's uh, been kind of one layer building upon the next, uh, but it's all kind of related to cities, uh, transportation, and how people move about and uh, how we're all connected. Mm, awesome. So tell us what you're really passionate about. Well, I'm really passionate as a uh, self-professed geek here is uh, maps and data. So I love uh, just how cities are structured, how they form, how they evolve over time, and all the different elements and layers. And what I've realized, like I said, over the course of my career is the one common element that binds us all together is movement and mobility and how we get around the city. So I think that's really what I've 
uh, realized and kind of latched onto as something that one would be great for myself uh, professionally as a career path, but also something that has many different uh, aspects uh, in terms of um, sustainability, social equity, and uh, something that really uh, benefits the common good for uh, cities and their inhabitants. Hmm. Awesome. So what's brought your interest in this smart city space? So in terms of the smart city space in my current and uh, previous roles, specifically to smart cities, it's really uh, interesting to see how uh, smart cities is a a wide umbrella that encompasses many different aspects of, uh, I would say, um, urban quality of life, whether it be, like we said, transportation, whether it be economic development, public health, uh, especially quality of life, and other types of indicators. Uh, But specifically, smart cities, for me, are an aspect of empowering uh, citizens and inhabitants to really utilize the best of technology, as well as emerging trends to make cities more a uh, just and a safe place for their own personal and uh, uh, communal habits. So I think the smart cities uh, process, which uh, I think initially uh, was a more of a tech-driven approach, which is certainly beneficial. It's, um, I think from my perspective, very important when uh, taken into the fact that if it's democratized and empowered by uh, citizens, that they can utilize the best of different uh, technologies, certainly to solve uh, urban and regional challenges. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think that citizen empowerment is a really key aspect of it and something I've been talking a lot more about and how as citizens uh, in our communities, you know, being informed about what is possible in this space and then what we want from this space as well. Correct. Correct. And there's many different interesting aspects of kind of data democratization and citizen empowerment. I know uh, Barcelona is doing some really great things in this, uh, the city of New York, as well as others in terms of really trying to uh, take smart cities to uh, the next level, identifying specific use cases and applying those to real problem sets to solve urban challenges versus the opposite, which is maybe a solution looking for a problem. I tend to bristle at that. I think that we need to solve real problems that are um, inherent in our communities now and try to build solutions around those. Hmm. That really leads to this next question, and we've kind of started answering it already, but why do you think the smart community concept is important? And I guess particularly let's talk about in the transportation space and accessibility and that type of thing. Why do you think that this concept is important for mobility? I think it's important for mobility because many uh, communities uh, at the local and regional level, certainly from my perspective in North America, are stranded and disadvantaged by race and uh, socioeconomics. They're stranded based upon lack of access to public services. They're stranded by lack of access to quality uh, food options related to markets and restaurants. And then finally, they're stranded related to just lack of mobility options, whether it be fixed uh, route public transit, whether it be a lack of access to their own personal automobiles, or to shared micromobility. So I think taking a smart communities approach harnesses the best of uh, technology in a not a one-size-fits-all, a commercial off-the-shelf software approach, but a real 
very intuitive perspective that basically solves uh, specific problems at the local and community level and basically aligns with the goals so that it empowers communities and improves their overall quality of life. And this is just coming from me personally as an urban regional planner practicing in North America for many years. So basically the merge of tech mobility planning and I would say regional inclusiveness is of key importance. Yeah, no, I love that. I love regional inclusiveness. That's a great term. Um, It's something I talk about a lot as well. Coming from Australia, which we have similar issues of the greatest expense and having, you know, increasing the digital divide potentially when we talk about smart cities, if we only focus in on the city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the case in point, uh, many studies have come out that uh, the utilization of, let's come back to mobility, micromobility, of the rise of e-scooters in North America, specifically many cities like San Francisco, have been proven uh, that they are utilized by one specific demographic, that demographic being me, kind of middle to upper income Caucasian males. So how does this benefit all different uh, aspects of the demographics and population and how can the new technologies and offerings coming from Silicon Valley Venture Capital benefit all populations so that we improve inclusiveness and make our community smarter. Mm, absolutely, because I'm something else I talk about a lot, if we're not helping the people with the most at stake, you know, if we don't get this right, then like what's the point really? Like, great. I think like someone like you or I, Coming from our backgrounds, you know, we've got a job, you know, whatever, we're, we're able to move around, you know, um, we've got certain levels of privilege. You know, if it makes our life better, great. That's great for us. But really, that's not the point of this whole exercise because we don't want to increase that divide even further. And that's the concern. That's the concern with each uh, new layer or uh, each new tech innovation that uh, is brought to market that is heavily subsidized by uh, investors in Silicon Valley or in China or in Israel that flood the North American and European marketplace primarily, there is the uh, risk of increasing the digital and mobility divide. Uh, Certainly, again, back to the uh, micromobility use case where, again, uh, there has been uh, great concern that the access to uh, shared bikes, shared e-scooters, and other mobility options are heavily concentrated in districts that are touristic, that are higher income, and that basically are already saturated with mobility options, such as many cities. So we could talk about North American cities, uh, San Diego, San Francisco, uh, et cetera. But even now in European cities, such as Paris and Madrid, which are following the North American model and uh, flooding uh, touristic districts with mobility options, and not necessarily aligning with urban planning or mobility goals. They're just looking for quick market expansion. They're not even looking at profitability. Their model is growth over profit. That's the Silicon Valley model. So really, uh, it's solving no problems. It's only exacerbating new problems, essentially, in the mobility space within the smart cities umbrella, which we're describing here. Mm. No, thanks so much for sharing that, um, because it's something that I've felt for a while. um... It's real. Yeah, and um, particularly with if we go to the examples of these micro mobility options, and it's like there's nothing inherently wrong with these things, but I also think that get too much hype and can't like focus, and it's like you know, oh look at us, we're 
you know, doing this whole smart mobility thing and I'm just like, no, you're not connecting the regional areas. You're not connecting people that don't have access to the network now because let's face it, they already have access to the network. They can walk around and I just think it's a bit of a, you know, it takes a focus away from what we really should be talking about, I guess. Well, it's a distraction or, you know, a little bit more red herring. It's, it's really something that, uh, or that's more of a North American term, but yeah, it's something that really takes your eye off what's the real important issue. Mm, yeah. So Scott, you've worked in the US um, for a long time. Now you're based in Europe. How do you think both places are kind of embracing this smart city and community concept? Well, uh, kind of uh, in terms of starting in this space within mobility, transportation and smart cities, a few years ago in the United States, now being based in Europe, I'll talk about the US first and then kind of compare and contrast to Europe, some of the similarities and differences, what works, what doesn't. So in the US right now, in smart cities, uh, what we've seen is many different, uh, I would say, hype cycles, uh, use cases, and domains that are starting to kind of settle out and uh, mature, shall we say, uh, in this space uh, across multiple uh, verticals and then uh, tech offerings. But just the really high level picture, uh, maybe the 50,000 foot level, is starting in uh, 2016, 2017. The real hype was in IoT smart lighting, LED lights, having just really uh, smart sensors uh, attached to different um, devices and locations and nodes that cities could um, demonstrate uh, quick wins. And uh, the large tech firms, net- network operators, systems integrators, I'm not going to name any names, were basically flooding cities with different smart cities uh, tech challenges to uh, demonstrate uh, use cases and success. Uh, a lot of these were funded by the tech firms, basically, so that cities did not have to procure these, so that this would be their go-to market strategy. We've seen a lot of these installed in different uh, silos, <laughs> smart garbage cans, smart lights, uh, different uh, sensors, uh, actually uh, smart uh, networks, perhaps uh, aligned with public transport systems, uh, streetcars. Uh, Kansas City is another example, too. Um, And as the market has matured, uh, we've seen a bit less of this and now a shift more towards solving specific challenges more at the local regional level aligned with specific uh, urban planning, regional inclusive uh, goals. Kind of uh, parallel to this hype cycle within the smart cities domain was a bit of the first and second level hype of autonomous vehicles, which I could also classify within smart cities, certainly around uh, 2017, 2018. Autonomous vehicles uh, reached a peak around that period of time. Uh, There was uh, a bit of, shall we say, negative press after a certain period of time where uh, some of the uh, testing in open communities uh, failed uh, to deliver the results that were basically uh, required. And there were some public safety challenges. And basically, we got to a point where there were many different pilots being introduced by multiple cities uh, related to vendors who were demonstrating their new uh, technologies on autonomous shuttles. So that was another uh, basically evolution in autonomy within the uh, smart cities domain of mobility. So we basically saw a peak hype cycle of IoT industrial IoT, and then basically urban IoT. Then we have 
kind of uh, personal uh, autonomy and then uh, shared autonomy and autonomous uh, pilots and shuttles, all of which uh, went through their kind of hype cycle in North America. And the market has matured such that I would say where we're at right now with the most recent hype cycle of micromobility in 2018, 2019, we're seeing a focus back towards cities, communities, and public transport, and really trying to take a bit more of a localized, simplified approach. I think really the most grandiose perspective of smart cities or of this hype was, in fact, the emphasis on Hyperloop in 2017, 2018. I would even also classify that within smart cities. So you saw over the last two or three years, all these huge flashpoints. And now we've kind of settled down into something that's much more localized and sustainable. And we're trying to uh, right size it to specific mobility challenges. This is in North America. In Europe, we've seen a bit less of the hype cycle, certainly on the, I would say, uh, the autonomy side and the Hyperloop side, never quite intensified on this side of the Atlantic. Certainly, there have been uh, individual, shall we say, shared autonomy uh, shuttles that have been demonstrated in different communities across France, Switzerland, Portugal, etc. But they have not quite gained traction yet on one end. And then two, certainly on the micromobility side in terms of shared electrical bikes, as well as scooters, uh, we are currently still in a massive hype cycle here in Europe right now. But the difference, though, is that the regulatory landscape of Europe, as well as the structure of data governance related to GDPR, lends itself to a much more coherent and methodical coordination integration of mobility providers with regulators and policymakers, meaning that we are going to have a bit more of a sane deployment of uh, mobility uh, options within European cities than we've seen in North American cities over the last two years. Uh, There's been a bit, like I said, of the hype in certain cities such as Paris and Madrid, but uh, cities in Europe are really starting to uh, learn from some of the challenges in North American cities related to this um, kind of peak hype in micromobility in the smart cities domain. And they're taking a bit more of a orchestrated, regulated uh, approach to how they integrate uh, mobility options within their domain. Mm, Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And a really nice comparison between the two um, from your perspective and the mobility perspective. I'm really keen to hear about some of the projects and things that you're currently working on. Sure. So what my focus is on at Free to Move is uh, specifically in the business-to-business and business-to-government domain for shared mobility. Our Free to Move app, which is the world's largest aggregator of shared mobility solutions, started as a uh, car-sharing aggregator app in 2014-2015 in Germany for the uh, inclusion of all different car-share providers in Berlin. And it's grown across Europe and North America into the largest aggregator of different shared mobility solutions from bikes, scooters, taxis, car share, etc., What we've done is we've harnessed the platform and technology of our B2C platform, and basically we are customizing and providing specific solutions for local and municipal governments throughout Europe and North America, 
and corporate enterprises to build out their shared mobility options, either for their inhabitants within a city or for employees in a corporation. So for example, we offer specific solutions related to our mobility app that we customize, white label solution, either for cities to integrate all their mobility options for their passengers' inhabitants. And we also offer a mobility as a service mass for business uh, platform for corporations that uh, basically want to offer and incentivize an alternative to their own personal vehicle usage or the company car. So that basically aligns with all of the sustainability goals as well as carbon footprint uh, reduction that uh, basically most, uh, if not all, corporate enterprises are looking to aggressively achieve now in 2019, 2020. So we feel that our platform is specifically aligned with uh, solving these real-world environmental challenges by basically providing new tech-driven options so that uh, employees will be incentivized to change their behavior and take a more sustainable approach to mobility. Mm, Awesome. Does it integrate public transport as well? Correct. Yeah. So it integrates public transport information as well as uh, ticketing and uh, booking for the different mobility options. Awesome. Cool. So that kind of leads to this next question about integration. How do you think we can better integrate across, you know, different disciplines, governments and industries? Obviously, you would have had to do that or continue to do that with the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, I would say uh, integration can uh, take many different forms. Uh, It can take the forms of policy. It can take the forms of governance. Uh, It can take the form of data. And it can take the form of uh, stakeholder management. So, Integration uh, is a multifaceted uh, concept that, when uh, thought of under the construct of smart communities, has to be executed in a fashion that hits all of those different uh, aspects, meaning that basically in true integration of communities to technology, as well as an integration between the public and private sector. So we have many different forms of integration between stakeholders between different domains of uh, governance, as well as uh, within cities and their uh, different functions. But I would say that uh, the integration of technology, data, governance, and stakeholders is only key when thought of under the smart cities and smart communities concept that uh, basically aligns with uh, inclusion as well as improvement of communities. So there has to be or an outcome in sight uh, such that uh, it can't be just integration for the sake of integration. There has to be some realized and common uh, benefits. And I mentioned earlier, democratization of data and information to empower uh, citizens to basically be uh, better informed, be uh, more participatory in the political electoral process. Uh, and I think basically smart communities and smart cities Harnessing uh, technology through integration can uh, better inform citizens to uh, basically improve the quality of life of their own communities. So I think that's one aspect too. And having a bi-directional flow of information as well as inclusion will serve as one method that uh, basically takes the best of the soft skills and the hard skills of basically tech and social policy to improve the quality of life of our communities Uh, globally, but certainly in Europe and North America we were speaking about. Mm. 
Oh, excellent. And what do you think the emerging trends are that people aren't talking about enough? Yeah, I would say uh, the emerging trends are actually a, we're going through a bit of post uh, hype cycle that the market is maturing and citizens are becoming better informed in terms of the options uh, of smart cities technologies as well ability that have entered the marketplace. So people are uh, better scrutinizing the uh, alternatives and asking uh, more direct questions in terms of how it's going to benefit their communities. So for example, in terms of the most recent, uh, I would say, proliferation of shared mobility options, citizens are really starting to understand and really evaluate uh, what uh, is uh, the best uh, benefit for their own personal and communal uh, activities, so, such that if uh, there are 20 or 30 different apps or platforms for shared mobility, for taxis or scooters, they're really starting to uh, see that perhaps there is a digital divide that has been occurring and it's widening and people are demanding better inclusion and better integration and access to information such that we do not have corporate uh, silos that uh, trap uh, consumers into closed ecosystems, or as we call walled gardens. And this has been done by many different large uh, tech firms. Um, I won't name names, but in Silicon Valley, in the ride hail, the TNC industry, where uh, platforms have been developed that uh, basically only include the options within their own corporate structure ecosystem. And that basically excludes consumers from perhaps 80 to 90% of other choices for their uh, mobility habits within a city. So I think citizens and inhabitants are demanding wider access, wider choice, and better quality of information so that they are not seen as a commodity, either themselves, their data, or their access to control of mobility options. So I think we're seeing a push and pull between the public and private sector and the commoditization of consumers and their data is one of the key uh, flashpoints right now. That is one of the trends that's emerging from this disruption in smart communities as well as shared mobility, I would say. The digital divide is widening and the market is becoming even more disruptive right now, unfortunately. Well, it's been so great to chat with you, Scott. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Zoe. No, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. And I just have one last question. How can people connect with you? Sure. So they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Scott Shepard, S-H-E-P-A-R-D. You can find me, Scott Shepard, with uh, Free to Move. You can email me, scott.shepard at freetomove.me. And uh, basically, uh, you can find me also on Facebook too. So three different channels, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, as well as email. Excellent. Well, we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. Great. Thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, Zoe. Okay. I appreciate it. Talk soon. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community or find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter 
at smartcompod. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears, so thank you in advance. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.